to episode 98 of the Natmegasis podcast. We'll be hitting the century later this month, if nothing else pops up, of course. So it's actually great here at the Natmegasis hub, I'd probably have to say. And for this episode, my co-host Danny is out because he's he's occupied with a lot of work, but he'll be back next week. So don't worry. And you are not going to have to listen to me going on alone of any sort. because i have a very familiar guest for this episode ninad babadikar joins me ninad is a journalist and you can find him on twitter at ninadb underscore o6 that is n i n a d b underscore o6 he's a good friend of the podcast and you'll also find him hosting a few in the coming weeks elsewhere with the likes of chatalytics so without further ado ninad how are you feeling today Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I'll be I'll be really surprised if any listeners don't start following me after this because you made it really clear where my where my Twitter handle is. But uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to today's episode. It should be fun. Yeah, you you'd have to pay me some money for you know shouting you out. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll edit this part out after. Yeah. <laughs> so for this episode, we are going to purely focus on the Bundesliga. and we'll be covering some of the teams and topics here to start off we'll talk about one of the biggest surprises of the season which is a hugely negative surprise i'll say bayer leverkusen's poor start to the season ninad after eight games played leverkusen have just one win and five losses sitting second bottom in 17th above bokum with five points and they have the joint second worst goal difference of minus 7 in the bundesliga too and as as we all like heard this past week the manager gerard sone was sacked and they've appointed chabi alonso as the new boss which has to be interesting and we'll come to alonso in a bit but first of all dinad what's up with leverkusen what's what's you know what's changed because they kind of looked quite settled under sone last season Uh, yeah, Rathvik. I mean, it's um, it's tricky. I think. I mean, last season because I think Seoane was like, um, you know, one of the Bundesliga's sort of interesting managers. You know, he had, you know, he was sort of an ideologue, like you know, someone who actually brought some tactical innovation on the pitch. And it was a it was a fun group of players that were really starting to click under him. And I think that was a big part of how strongly they finished last season. And you know. I think this season like you can see that you know a lot of their strengths are still there like if you look at you know open play xg they're second in the league for that with 10.97 just behind bayern but uh, they've only scored seven goals which is you know a little bit of a downer for them because last season uh, their goals you know that they attacking prowess is a big thing about about leverkusen you had the likes of drb you had wertz for half the season you had patrick schick um and you know you had all of these players combining well for goals and i think that sort of pulled them through even through defensive lapses but this season i think what's changed is that they're struggling to put the ball into the back of the net and you have players like uh patrick schick who are just struggling to find you know the the sort of goal scoring touch their top scorer this season karen demerby with just three goals so you know there is there is a lot of uh, there is a lot of trouble going on in front of goal for them and even at the back when you look at their defensive record um i think uh, the their open play uh, xg against is the third worst in the league uh, 9.65 they've conceded and they've conceded 13 goals from that so uh, i mean those numbers should probably normalize over the season the, the defense is definitely not as bad as the numbers suggest this they've uh, sort of over conceded on uh, in terms of their in terms of their underlying defensive numbers so i expect that to improve over the course of the season um but it should be interesting to see how uh, how they approach the the appointment of chabi alonso and how much time they give um because you you have to remember the last time leverkusen had a proper long term manager was roger schmidt and that was probably in 2014 if i'm not mistaken um so yeah there's been a lot of manager sort of merry go round at the bayer arena and you have to assume but they will give Xabi Alonso some time to sort of implement his ideas and you know make make the team his own which will be fun to see yeah that the xg stats like you mentioned are quite interesting because you know even in terms of like xg they've been quite underperforming and yeah of course it 
it probably will normalize and you know even up uh, probably at some stage this season because over a longer period it does tend to you know uh, come back to the mean or come at least closer to the mean but the way that Sona's team play it's more of like they're not very direct they kind of like to pass it around longer passing sequences and things like that and it slowly build up and last season like you said they had like so Florian Wirtz who who unfortunately had a crucial ligament injury he's he's out for long he's he's one of the best young players in the world uh, in my honest opinion he was at least before he was injured then i think they were also missed as equal palacios to injury i think belarabi also is another player who's who's gone yep. out with injury lately all these stuff piling up and you know the poor start it's it's quite uh, it's quite a disappointing start for them i i'd say and from someone with sionis ideas and leverkusen squad you would expect much better too and also i think this there's a lot of emphasis for opposition teams to attack leverkusen's right flank quite often especially in that wide areas where frimpong defends um especially the right right back area down the touch line and i think another huge issue with them has been they've uh, they've actually ended up conceding a lot of shots from turnovers like high turnovers and that's that's also caused them to be on the back foot at times it's like like you mentioned it's uh, it's quite strange that they haven't given any manager like a long term a, a good enough time to implement themselves or impose themselves it's either been like a season or season and a half or maybe maximum two seasons if i'm not wrong uh, they had peter bosch earlier uh, like a like a few years back and he didn't work out like you said roger schmidt probably was the longest training in in recent times and he did quite okay with the team with chabi alonso um nina i mean i've i've not watched a lot of real so said that be I'll be really honest here, but um, as part of me scouting a uh, few footballers from the secondary division last season, I was scouting a center back uh, from Sociedad B, and I kind of watched a few clips, and it's pretty interesting to see how Xabi Alonso lines up and how he, you know, mixes up the team. His tactics is also quite flexible. So, Dinar, if you if you would like to say a few words about how you think Xabi Alonso could work with this Leverkusen team, it would be great. Yeah of course uh, I mean I think it's it's quite interesting because you always see Leverkusen as a team where you have space for experimentation now in that so far you know that's that's been a bit of a stopgap sort of approach you know like we said uh, the managers haven't always had the time to sort of implement the ideas and what they want to do with the squad but I think um, Alonso has has a lot of scope to you know implement uh, the kind of style that he wants uh we know that you know he he directly had a lot of influence in terms of the first team players that are currently at sociedad so you look at uh, someone like martin zubimendi for example who is you know uh, a very very popular name in the sociedad circle uh, sociedad circles and he is re- you know regarded as one of the finer midfielders among the young sort of spanish generation that's coming up now and then when you look at the current sort of um, current leverkusen team you have midfielders like Uh, like you said for example Ezekiel, Ezekiel Palacios uh, who could definitely improve in terms of his passing range and how maybe Xabi Alonso will look to Im- implement sort of his own playing style over him and then you have Demirbay who we know is you know he's quite gifted with the ball um uh, sort of uh, approaching the twilight of his career now and again Robert Andrich another sorry he's a workhorse midfielder is probably never going to be uh, the kind of passer that Xabi Alonso was But I think what's uh, what's interesting is that he has a lot of different sort of profiles to work with in midfield, and that's that would be so sort of important for him to sort of maybe be a little bit more adaptable tactically and uh, be, be a bit more you know uh, continue to play on the front foot like Sayoane tried to do while also trying to minimize mistakes at the back, um, which is I think it will be a it'll be a tough sort of balance to strike, and which is why he will need the time to implement the ideas that he wants to bring to the team. and there you know there might be a lot of mistakes at the beginning but they have to give him the time because there's been a lot of turnover right like we mentioned with since Roger Schmidt the club hasn't had a stable first team manager now there have been reasons behind that of course uh, but i think leverkusen needs to sort of understand that there is a process to get through before they break into um, the the second best bracket um, in in the bundesliga where you would now consider 
RB Leipzig are and Borussia Dortmund are. But Bayer Leverkusen is still not quite there yet. And I think uh, with time, with Javi Alonso, maybe they could, maybe they could, um, maybe they could get there. But again, it's it's a game of patience, isn't it? So you have to build things up uh, step by step. And with the Chabi Alonso, it will be about the baby steps because you have to remember this is this is his first you know professional job in terms of the top level. Uh, managing the Sociedad B team is great experience for him. And last year we know he was uh, linked to the Gladbach job. But this is a whole different ball game. This is Bayer Leverkusen. This is the big leagues. So it will be it will be quite interesting to see how he adjusts and how he adjusts the philosophy that he believes in because a lot of the times you see these ideologue managers they come in and like like we've tried to see with uh, with the Ten Hag at Man United where he's tried to implement his style from the get go never worked and then he's, he's had to change plans a little bit it'll be interesting to see if if that happens with Xabi Alonso where if the plans don't work out in the immediate uh, in the immediate short term whether he tries to take a step back and then maybe see the season out and then use the summer to properly drill his ideas into the team. So there's a lot to consider here, um, but, you know, a very sort of exciting uh, time for Leverkusen fans, I think, to have someone as, as good-looking as Javi Alonso on the sidelines. <laughs> the the good-looking quotient is, is definitely on the rise at Leverkusen, and the, the ex-vibe is also, like, straight up shooting up high, I would say. <laughs> definitely, definitely. <laughs> And for, for our listeners who, who are not familiar with how Xabi Alonso's team plays, I can probably give you a very brief uh, idea of how, how he likes his teams to play. He he normally starts with a 4-2-3-1 uh, on paper, a very flexible and robust setup, where in build-up, they kind of move to a 3-4-3 at times with the right back joining the centre-backs. So it's a, it, it forms like a, they, they form like a back three and the left back goes into the midfield and you have one of the wingers going to going to the forward positions as like a 3-4-3 and at times you can mostly see his teams playing a 3-3-2-2 or like a in in a setup where you have two forwards basically covering the opposition center backs so that you know they open up spaces for other players to attack so it's a very flexible setup he he likes to change and tweak a lot of things but coming into a job like this where Leverkusen are sitting at the bottom and trying to get these stuff done, it's going to be really hard. But one of the main advantages with his, you know, back three setup in position is that he he normally has his teams trying to counter turnovers. And at the moment, uh, Leverkusen, like I mentioned earlier, they are the fourth highest uh, conceders of shots from high turnovers. So it's if if he if he manages to you know fix that up uh, it's going to solve one part of the issue i'd say but like like nina mentioned it's going to be very interesting to see how quickly he's able to impose his ideas in on the team because right now most importantly it's the results that's uh, that's very important and it's not easy for him either they play schalke uh, on saturday and then they have like fc porto in the champions league then they play eintracht frankfurt another big game. Um, then they have Wolfsburg as well, followed by Atletico Madrid and the Champions League, who has their own issues at the moment in the Champions League. But then Leipzig, Club Rouge, and then Union, Korn. So it's not an easy start for him per se, because he's, he's kind of has like a mixed fixture, uh, fixture list, and Leverkusen are also in the Champions League. So th- there's not a lot of breaks in before the World Cup. And if he manages to get some points on the board by the world uh, by the time the world cup starts and you know he can really try to impose his his ideas and methods to the available players uh, during the world cup period he can i guess get like a really good uh, finish this season but like ninad said it's going to be really interesting and a very tough job for him this is his first big job and at Sociedad B, he promoted them to the secondary division uh, initially before you know, uh, getting relegated last season. But the promotion was the club's first in 50 years. So he's capable of doing big things. He's also worked under huge managers. Rafa Benitez back in the uh, the early 2000s was one of the best tacticians available. And he's worked under Benitez. He's worked under Del Bosque at Spain. He's worked under Pep Guardiola. Who else other than Pep Guardiola? Jose Mourinho, I guess, at Carlo Ancelotti, 
so he the has this list <laughs> exactly exactly and you know the quality of that list is also quite quite uh, extraordinary so i guess he's going to hopefully he we can expect good things from him and moving on from the vacuusen now who who been like the you know worst surprise this season to another tricky surprise bayern munich this this no bundesliga discussion without bayern munich and they are currently sitting third in the table two points behind union and freiburg i guess jan sommer can take some credit for that because he had one hell of a game against bayern and restricted them from winning that game against gladbach earlier this season and dinat this is nagelsmann's second season and julian nagelsmann's got what one full season to get his methods across the bayern team and despite the despite the results you know being a bit slow this season i guess the board's completely backed him there's been like you know vocal support for nagelsmann and uh, from from the from the bayern board and they've been very public about backing him throughout the season so 23 goals scored and six conceded so it, they they are kind of in a great form I, i i would say in terms of scoring and also keeping it shut at the back but what what do you think about the start ninal where do you think has it like gone wrong especially at the start because we sometimes see bayern you know picking up points slowly at the beginning and then they just whistle past their opponents towards you know the uh, the middle of the season or towards the end of the season and wrap up the bundesliga soon but currently i think they kind of have a few issues so what what do you think are those problems uh, i mean i think the 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 league table sort of blows those problems out of proportion because i think a lot you know people always expect bayern munich to be at, at the top of the table and now that they're not this is a very sort of new position for people to be consuming the bundesliga experience in that bayern munich are not at the top of the table but i mean like like you said they've scored what, 23 goals they've only conceded six um which is you know by all standards that's a fantastic record to have at at this point of the season and you know in in all honesty they've they've only lost one game and you know them being in third place again blows things out of proportion um so again those those games against um the games that they've dropped points in let, let's talk about them because we had the gladbach game where again they you know steamrolled gladbach in terms of the underlying numbers for the game creating 3.6 xg and again against union uh, they there that's i think that's uh, the area that that again again i mean i don't want to blow my own uh, horn here as, as an union fan but they did struggle against us and um, you know that's i think union are the sort of team that you know these sort of big teams sort of try to struggle you know they do struggle against some of the, some of the times again i know we did lose against frankfurt the other day but i digress uh, let's let's stick to bayern for now um yeah so i i guess what's uh, what's gone wrong for bayern is not as much of you know there's not much that's gone wrong for them um i think the results will eventually pick up like you said you know they will go on a seriously impressive run of results where they will continue to pick up points and find themselves at the top of the table because let's be honest union and freiburg are performing well beyond uh, their means and their resources at this point being in first and second not where you expect those teams to be at all i mean i mean in an ideal world you know sure they would be closer to the european places but they're definitely unlikely to finish in in the top 4 um and again if you look at sort of their underlying numbers so far they expected goals and assists uh, expected goals and expected goals against um last season in fact you know after seven games um, me and a couple of other friends we had this discussion on a whatsapp group and after last season after seven games they had 19 expected goals created 10.5 expected goals against and you know which which led to an 8.1 xg difference overall and this season they've they've created 17.7 uh, conceded only 6.4 and have had 11.4 xg difference so all in all they've actually improved and i, I know it's difficult to uh, it's difficult to look at that way because again aesthetics play a big role in football right the way teams play and the play uh, the way we consume their performances is a lot to do with how ultimately they they look at you know how they look on the on the league table so in that sense obviously it's it's um, it's i think it's a shock for a lot of people who are not well you know very familiar with with the uh, with the 
know, with the powers that be in the Bundesliga. But I think Bayern will be okay in um, during the course of the season. They will they sh- they will surely win win the league title. I think you know there's there's no question about that. And again, in this sort of weird sort of time for for Bayern, um, we've had we've had one really standout player, Jamal Musiala, and you know he's he's been someone really enjoyable to watch for for you know for Bayern fans and and neutrals alike fantastic player just uh, blows my mind every time i watch him how you know how mature he is on the ball and how how he plays like well beyond his years and i think he's pro- probably settled settled in into the starting level even quicker than a lot of people would have imagined so yeah there's there's been a lot of positives in a somewhat weird start to the season for bayern but they'll be fine i think yeah they should be fine yeah and i mean like you said things get blown out of proportion at times uh, especially with these big teams and i think this generally speaking this like this bias uh, you know this unconscious bias that people have uh, especially with respect to certain uh, moments in the game or certain you know uh, how how do you put it certain flow in the game so when teams generally concede from counters or turnovers, people there's just like a tendency for people to think that the team is really bad defensively. But it's it's not you know definitely the case at times with Bayern. That's kind of a bit similar, I would say, because they've had the most high turnovers in the league, and that's you know a consequence of their playing style. And one out of every five high turnovers has resulted in a shot for the opposition, and they've conceded like three times from high turnovers this season too, which is which is like the joint top uh, in the Bundesliga so far. And this this like this general tendency to write off Bayern's defense. But if you look at the Defend defensive players uh, individually. Dio Pumecano, he's been absolutely massive. Uh, there was like talk of him struggling last season when he made like some individual errors. And with Upamecano, it's always the case, right? When whenever he makes a mistake, it's it's kind of like a huge mistake that costs his team a goal. But generally, in eight out of ten games, he's he's almost always giving like a eight point five or nine nine point five out of ten performance for Bayern and he's been really solid really really strong with the ball very imposing uh, defensively to physically as well uh, I, I love how, how how good he is on the ball as well I think he's massively improved in that uh, area although he was like top notch while he was at Leipzig with his passing too but another player is Lucas Hernandez who who arguably should be in one of the best center backs in the world conversation he his name gets you know probably slid under the carpet because of the bundesliga tax i would say that people like to call it which which i'm not a big fan of um and it's it's often underlooked that uh, that his performances are also quite impressive for bayern and like you mentioned, uh, in terms of open play XG against as well, Bayern have considered very less, which is like the you know lowest open play XG in the league and lowest open play shots considered in the league too, which is quite impressive. And with the numbers that you mentioned earlier, they've, they've very much improved on their last season start, which is always a positive sign. I, w- I would definitely say that things are being blown out of proportion quite a bit. But yeah, they've kind of had like a minor issue here and there like you mentioned in the Union game. But you've mentioned about Jamal Musiala. Again, one of my favorite young players to watch at the moment. I mean, I I, I would honestly be surprised if anyone watched Musiala and said they, didn't, they don't enjoy watching him play. I would honestly be surprised and I would never, never ever talk football with him <laughs> because he's, he's such a joy to watch. And I, I guess for someone who's that young, the, the maturity, like you mentioned, and the way he's progressed, I guess it was Marcus Bring who posted a visualization, a data visualization on Twitter the other day where he compared Musiala uh, numbers from last season to this season and I think in almost every category expect the ex- expected threat uh, Musiala had his improvement and expected threat is uh, is like a statistic which kind of quantifies risk passing or probably you know you can probably proxy it for good uh, creativity in, in a way so except, except for XT I think he has kind of uh, upped or improved his numbers from last season and I think the XT numbers haven't improved pretty much because he's he's played much more higher uh, in the pitch this season than he was uh, in the last. I think he's he's getting on the end of a lot of attacks, scoring a lot of goals. He's he's also like you know the second highest chances created from open play, only behind uh, Danny Olmo, 
uh, I think he has like 0.5 per 90 in terms of chances created in the league. And he's had a fantastic start. I was really, really happy when he, he got linked with Liverpool this past week. I know those rumours are probably rubbish, but yeah, it's it's nice to get linked with players like him. And Nina, uh, just again, uh, talking a little bit more about Musiala. Where do you see him um, in in the young players rankings bracket at the moment and where do you possibly see him maybe after the season yeah i mean i think anyone who's watched musiala will instantly understand that this is a top 10 player easily in terms of the under 20 under 21 age bracket i'd say he's he's right up there alongside players like Foden, like pedri like kamavinga um special player really 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 special player um i think he is I think he, he also provides a lot in terms of the tactical side of the game to what Nagelsmann demands of a um, of a player between the lines because he is comfortable receiving on the turn, he is comfortable dropping deep, tracking back whenever necessary, you know, counter pressing whenever whenever his team loses the ball, and obviously playing in a team uh, like Bayern is going to influence his his numbers in, in some shape or form, but. You know, whenever you watch this guy, it's it's quite special. You know, the way he breaks lines through his ball carrying, the way he penetrates the opposition area, picking up intelligent spots in the penalty area to be able to get the goals that he uh, goals that he gets. And then, obviously, you know, there is also a great deal of composure in his finishing. Um, and I think, yeah, you know, all in all, just a just a super player. And I think after this season, I think we could, you know very very easily see him sort of take over the mantle uh, from from Thomas Muller uh in terms of being the central sort of key figure for for this Bayern side for the next possibly 10 years if if Bayern you know sort of continue to maintain this um, insane sort of trajectory that they're on and in in terms of being the best club in in Germany and the most successful club by all means and um yeah, just a really fun player to watch, and I'm excited. I'm excited to see if if he does if he does wish to you know move elsewhere. There are a lot of clubs that would you know easily easily need a player like him, and they would happily you know, take a player of his talents of his uh, multiple range of talents. I'd say. So yeah, there is there's no there will be no you know shortage of suitors for him if he if he wants to leave Bayern. But for now, he is he is a star at the Allianz Arena, and and we'll see how long. Uh, how long his uh, development continues because I think he can go straight you know, to the top, like be easily one of the best sort of creative number 10s in the world for the next five to 10 years. Yeah, and I think another thing that's also going well for him is how well he's settled into Hansi Flick's national team setup, the German national team setup. Uh, we all know how, how much uh, of a mess, I, I wouldn't say it's a mess, but... Germany probably are not a very top favorite for the World Cup. And it feels odd saying this now, but that is the truth as we've seen in the last, I guess, uh, two or three years. The national team has looked quite uh, shaky uh, in terms of, I I guess there's been a lot of uh, personnel uh, change here and there. There's been issues with the manager, Hokim Law, did not end his uh, Germany national team stint very well. Hansi Flick, after he took over... uh, as well, going from Bayern to Germany. I don't think he's had like the greatest start uh, to his national team campaign. In the, in the, in the national, Nations League as well, I guess Germany finished below Hungary and Italy, which speaks uh, an awful amount on how how things are with the national team. And we, we also, I guess, people who saw the game against England, the 3-3 draw, having a 2-0 lead and then conceding two, uh, three goals straight back-to-back was quite bad. I think his substitution probably bringing, uh, taking, um, I, I guess, who, who did he? Yeah, he took off David Rome and then got uh, Gosens in at left back and that didn't quite work out well. England started attacking that zone after they bought Saka and Mount of their own. But yeah, I mean, enough about uh, Germany in general. But I guess even in the national setup, it's Musiala who's who's kind of the standout uh, player, one of the standout players at the moment. And he is quite destined to start at the World Cup at this age. And that speaks a lot about his abilities and his talent as well, isn't it, Nan? Yeah, absolutely. I think this um, this German national team currently is is like a very different team from what we've watched growing up because I, I know like our generation has grown up watching this very pragmatic Joachim Love German national team where they will 
absolutely destroy teams with their attacking quality, but also, you know, remain defensively incredibly solid. Players like Manuel Neuer, Jerome Boateng, uh, you know, they've those kind of players who have, you know, formed the sort of spine of the German national team for years. Uh, Sami Khedera, even, you know, players players like the uh, man Mats Hummels. So these are these are the kind of players who have for a very long time formed the backbone of of the German national team. But now you have players like Musiala coming in. You have players uh, from the from beyond Bayern and Dortmund, I'd say, because you have Robbie Gosens who plays for for Inter Milan, of course. Then you have Benjamin Henricks, uh, another fullback. He plays for Leipzig. You have Matthias Ginter. He plays for Freiburg now. David Rom, like you mentioned earlier, you know he he plays for Leipzig. Then you have Jonas Hofmann, Gladbach player. So I think the German national pool, uh, national team pool, again is expanding beyond that. And then you also have the very very impressive young defender uh, Bella Kochap from from Southampton. So this is a national team still trying to find its uh, find its uh, find its feet and find its identity under Hansi Flick. Um, and I think he will he will you know he has the tools he has the players to build this team in the kind of uh, image that he wants them to be in. So it's it's a very interesting time to be a, a German uh, national team fan I think and yeah I, uh, I'm not very confident about their chances going deep into the World Cup because I I, I genuinely think the South American teams have a, a better better chance this time around but but yeah I mean all in all this is a, this is a very interesting and exciting time for youngsters especially uh, within the German national setup because there is a lot of scope for interchangeability and like you know there are spots there for the taking and so it'll be interesting to see how how this team sort of takes shape in in the next you know couple of uh, national team cycles so should be fun yeah it's all it's all going to be very interesting the world cup's going to be interesting as well and it starts in like less than two months which is which is quite great and we will finally move on to the last topic of the podcast um before we just look at some of some questions from our patron beater Union Berlin, Linard, the team that you support, it's a team that's been on the rise in the Bundesliga over the last two, three years. They've 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 settled in the Bundesliga. That is that is a, that is quite evident. They have settled in after the promotion. They've improved every season, and this season seemed to be another step towards you know going going up and up. They are in the Europa League as well. Um, the next step probably is the Champions League, which again, like you mentioned earlier, is very hard. But I haven't watched a lot of Union. I, I know you follow them very religiously. You support them as well. So I'll leave this to you. Tell us why they've been so good enough. Because the table says they are really, really good. Yeah, uh, it's been a very interesting start to the season as a as a rare Union fan, I think. Um uh, and to be, to be, you know, speaking on a more realistic note, I think the table is very clearly painting a false picture. Um, Union are not the best, best team in the league. There are other teams which have better quality within their setup. But what's helped Union get so far in terms of their league performances is the, the strength of the team as a whole rather than, you know, individual players. Um I, actually, to correct myself, I think it's been a little bit of both um, because uh, as a whole, the system has has worked really well for for Urs Fischer and the attack. In attack, you know, we have players like Gerardo Becker, Jordan Payfock, who have seriously been impressive, but have also considerably overperformed their uh, underlying numbers. So before I get into that, you know, for any listeners who don't know how Union play, I'll just give you a quick sort of rundown on 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 Urs Fischer's Union Berlin. So the team sets up in a back three. You will have three defenders: uh, Robin Knocker, who's the more sort of traditional last line defender. He will he will do the blocks, the clearances, and everything. Then you have ball playing defenders either side of him. You have Paul Yakel, who is still sort of developing, and I think he's on the lesser side of uh, a ball playing defender. Uh, but on the other side, you have player, you have a player like Diogo Leite, who we got from Porto. 
so he's quite exciting very young uh, young and one of the you know young and upcoming talents from portugal um we also have timo baumgartel who who is also quite sort of interesting in terms of his passing range from the back so in terms of the tactics the center backs uh, play quite a important role in getting the ball out of um, out of their own half the midfield uh, are not as crucial to to build up i'd say because you have functional midfielders very uh, so three functional midfielders in there you have three at the back and three functional midfielders in midfield and then you have the wing backs so it's more like a 5-3-2 or a 3-5-2 depending on how you want to look at it and so the wing backs then once they receive possession they are the ones that sort of drive the ball into the opposition half and into their final third and then crossing the ball towards players like uh, Jordan Pifford because he has become become much more of a sort of target man profile for them this season as opposed to Avoni last season someone who was comfortable with receiving deeper in the pitch and then carrying the ball with his powerful runs and like you know basically battering past any any defenders that came came in his way jordan p folk is a bit of a different uh, sort of profile from from avoni in that he is a target man and you know shardo becker who we mentioned uh, who i mentioned earlier he is he is pretty much the creative hub of this team i think in, in attack he is the one that will collect the ball from deeper areas he will have you know long carries up the pitch and he's quite good at it he's really quick um, of off the ground and yeah i mean he's been he's been really lucky i think in front of goal with some of the finishes that he's had you know you look at you look at his underlying numbers he's his his xg overall is probably not uh is probably not up there in terms of the league's best attackers but you know he's had the goals to show for it you know scoring six goals from 1.1 non penalty xg according to statsbomb so again that just speaks volumes of you know how how lucky he's been in front of goal and i think you know the, i mean he's already beaten his his tally from last season so i think he's done well in that sense um but again he is he's not just a player obviously who um who provides goals just goals but you know he is much more than the goals that he provides for union um really important for someone like Payfork to get the service and if that doesn't come from the wing backs it will usually come from Becker who will you know attack the penalty area with with his powerful carries and then you're trying to find Payfork with with a cross which he has done uh, more than a couple of times this season so again that partnership has been a very interesting feature of union because you had max cruiser who came in a couple of seasons ago or see yeah a couple of seasons ago and then he formed a partnership with avani which was great then he left in january then avani was left um with with becker and they sort of formed a very interesting partnership towards the back end of last season and now avani is going to nottingham forest as we know and now jordan pfox come in and he, he has sort of uh, built a very interesting partnership with uh, with becker So yeah it's been it's been really fun to to see how that's all developed uh, and I'm sorry I've rambled on quite a bit because if I, if anybody gives me a, a chance to talk about union I will go on and on but yeah it's been a very uh, it's been a very fun start to the season for us um and yeah I mean as a fan long may it continue but as an as a, as someone who analyzes the game and knows about its uh, tricky intricacies I know that we'll stumble uh some some you know at some point in the season and you know regress to our uh, actual uh, position in the league table it's it's always that hope isn't it <laughs> hope that, that kills yeah hope exactly kills. <laughs> exactly and you mentioned Geraldo Becker there and i guess that name itself goes into the top uh, top person tells of name analytics Geraldo Becker is is one hell of a name and I I I'm a big fan of that name itself. Yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah. great. Man. Like I I mean you could you could just say Bender like Becker. Like why? Exactly. Such a great face. Exactly, yeah. exactly. The the Aldo from Ronaldo and the Becker from Alisson Becker. Oh, he has it all. <laughs> and Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this is this is actually one of the questions from Dieter as well about Ronaldo because over performance and I I think he's had like a really interesting start to the season. So uh what what do you think about his form coming to season do you think union are going to be able to keep him for much longer yeah i think 
it's difficult because I think when you look at his, his age, he's 27, right? So he's sort of approaching his prime years. And it depends which club needs his profile. I mean, he I think he'd still do really well in the Bundesliga if, say, for example, RB Leipzig came in for someone like him. Um, because, you know, they could very potentially be saying goodbye to Onkunku in the summer. Um, he could probably do quite well there in that setup. Um, so I I definitely do see him being sold at some point because it's always been a trend with Onion to bring in players, use them to the best of their abilities, and then sort of, you know, sell them for a considerable fee. So... It's, it's, it's been really interesting to see his development because he wasn't always a, a major sort of player under Urs Fischer early on. And then when he did get the chance to, you know, stay, uh, stake his claim in the first team uh, first team starting 11, he never lost his place. So I think that sort of speaks to his determination and his, his confidence and belief in his abilities. And, you know, I think he'll, he'll, he'll do well in most Bundesliga teams. And again, he's he's sort of a profile where if you give him a lot of the ball, chances are your team will will benefit uh, over the long term. So, yeah, I mean, I think we we'll, we will sort of see him go at some point, but I hope it's not before the end of the season because uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I I think uh, it's really important that we keep him throughout the course of this season and not let him go in January. So this team really struggles without. Uh, without Becker sometimes, but when he's not on top so far in the season, the team has not been on top. So I think his the team's displays and their sort of performance during matches depends a lot on his form. And if teams are able to stifle him out of attack, then chances are that Union will struggle because he's the one that sort of gets the ball to to players like Payfork and players like uh, Kevin Behrens if he starts games. And, you know, he, again, without him, uh, in attack, the team is a bit toothless because you don't have a lot of avenues to protect, uh, progress the ball. You don't have a lot of avenues to attack the opposition area. So he is really pivotal to Union, and I don't expect his overperformance to sustain over the course of a season. I do hope he gets into double figures for goals and assists. I think that would be great for him. And again, great for Union, so we can get a bigger fee for him, which I think we absolutely deserve because he's you know, been a standout player for the Bundesliga so far. Um but yeah, that's. Uh, I, I mean, I hope that he helps us achieve another European finish, whether that's in the Champions League or in the Europa League. Uh, the season remains to be seen. But yeah, I mean, long may Becker's dream continue. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting that because uh, I think when I, when I think of uh, Geraldo Becker, like you mentioned, the age profile and the kind of player he is, I kind of feel he could be a similar asset to Union, like he like. You know, Anthony Modest was to Korn back in you know 2016 to 2018 under Peter Stoger, uh, where Korn kind of made into the Europa League, if I'm not wrong, during that stage. Um, you know, moving from Hoffenheim to Korn and you know, impressing there. So I think yeah. that kind of an angle probably could work for Geraldo Becker as well, although they're not in exactly the same kind of place or same profile uh, profile either. And we'll move on to Dieter's next question about Werder Bremen being a surprise. Nina, they are eighth in the table at the moment. And even if you look at the XG, um, XG score, XG4 and XG against, I think it's pretty, they're pretty much doing, you know, as they're expected, apart from in the XG against, I think they've considered more goals than, uh, you know, the, the actual underlying number that speaks for them. I guess the defense might get tighter as things go. But where do you see Bremen, um, you know, and end, ending up the season? Yeah, I think Bremen have definitely been sort of one of the uh, surprise surprises of of the Bundesliga season so far. Um, you know, some really eye-catching results in in the league. You have, and like you said, you know, they're they're currently eighth in the league. They they beat Gladbach five one, which was whoa, where did that come from? <laughs> and then they beat you know Dortmund three two earlier in in August. And then you have all of these results for them. And, you know, it's, it's quite interesting. And I, I actually, you know, um, b- before we came out of the pod, you know, I was I was doing obviously doing my own sort of bit, bit of look into their sort of season and their underlying numbers and their manager, Oli Werner, who's very sort of uh, an interesting character in terms of uh, the tactics that he wants to play. He wants Werder Bremen to be, you know, on the front foot quite a bit. And so obviously they have, you know, they, they, their games have had a lot of goals. 
which again points to a team that wants to take risks in possession. They want to play, you know, forward-thinking football. And I think Bern has done a good job of that. You know, being in eighth position at this point of the season speaks to that and speak to his speaks to his processes in terms of attack and defense. And again, another player that's been sort of uh, I think fueling that fueling that success early on in the season is Niklas Folkrug. Um, you know, he has, I think, so far this season, eight goals or seven goals. No, seven goals. Yeah, that's right. So he's currently the, the league's top scorer with seven goals in the season so far. And he's uncapped for, for Germany. Um, and again, he could be someone that, you know, is, is a surprise package come come the end of the season. And, you know, maybe could help Werder Bremen push towards a top half finish, which would be great for them coming back into the uh, Bundesliga after after the New Year's absence. Um, and for... For Bremen, for for Bremen, I think even when you look beyond the attack at the back, you have a couple of really interesting profiles there. You have a player like you know players like Amos Pieper and Marco Fedu. Those two are you know sort of the when you look at modern centre backs who are comfortable with the ball, who are comfortable tracking back, uh, defending, recovering, doing all the defensive stuff, but also being able to help the team progress the ball up the pitch. Those two are quite good. You know, Pieper is is more of a progressive. Uh, passer. Friedel is a bit more all-round in terms of his progressive game. He can carry the ball, he can pass as well. He's left-footed, which is also a, a sort of very wanted commodity these days. You know, having a left-footed centre-back playing on the left side for defence is, is quite useful. So, yeah, those two have been really, very impressive. And, you know, what's been also encouraging to see is that they're not massively overperforming their expected numbers. And again, if you look at uh, expected points, for example, from from understart, they're only you know overperforming their sort of their points. They're sort of actually they're underperforming by 0.40, which is barely anything. So they've had 12 points, and they've been expected to get 12 points. So I think they're performing at the level that they've been expected to so far. And yeah, I think a top half finish would definitely constitute success for them this season. And again, after that, it's it's a case of where they want to go. Beyond that, because they have, you know, players like Fulcrook, they have Leonardo Bittencourt, who was, you know, very highly rated when he broke through in the Bundesliga. But now he's sort of in the in the twilight of his career in the late late 20s and trying to help Werder Bremen sort of build their, you know, establish their uh, reputation once again in, in the Bundesliga. So, yeah, a really interesting team so far. And I think they could... They could learn quite a bit from uh, from what Union and what Freiburg have done um, in, in their time in the Bundesliga so far, and hopefully build towards similar successes in the future. Um, but yeah, they've been they've been a very entertaining side so far, for sure. And finally, before we end the podcast, we'll look at Dieter's final question, which is about RB Leipzig and Marco Rosa. And as we all saw, Marco Rosa got appointed by RB Leipzig recently with. Domenico Tedesco getting the sack after the poor start. And yeah, Tedesco's had like other issues at the club as well with um, a difference of opinion with the board. And yeah, there's been like a lot of things that's not worked out well there. But Rosa is a well-known Red Bull guy. Um, not, not not one who drinks a lot of Red Bull, of course. But yeah, he's, he's worked at Red Bull clubs before. The stint at Dortmund wasn't really perfect, but uh, I think this, I mean, at Dortmund, there was like a lot of issues with the squad that he had and other stuff as well. So you can't really 100% blame him. But from what I saw from the Celtic game, it kind of looks like Leipzig are steadily and slowly settling under him. And he, they're kind of grasping his methods and his style of play. So what do you think about Leipzig uh, under Rosa, Nina? Then what do you think about Leipzig ceiling under Rosa? It's a it's a very interesting appointment uh, in the sense that he's just I mean he's literally just been been you know released from the Dortmund job and now he's back back into the dugout now at now at Leipzig he's I think him doing well uh, in in sort of the early stages now is quite expected because he's someone from the Red Bull system so he knows what is expected from a Red Bull club and I think they've sort of tried to move away from that identity, Red Bull identity over the past couple of years with appointments like Tedesco uh, and Nagelsmann before him. So Nagelsmann also tried to sort of move away from uh, Red Bull football. But Marco Rosa is more of a sort of returning to the basics of what it is to be a, a Red Bull football club. 
So I think last season, again, I think Tedesco did well. Obviously, they won won the Pokal and, you know, there was a decent amount of momentum there. But ultimately, this is a results business, right? So I think with Marco Rosa, it's a safe approach for, for Leipzig. I think they will eventually end up in the top four because this team is far too good to not, you know, finish in the top four. You have players like Onkunku who started the club, you know, presumably and at least until the summer. Then you have Andre Silva, Timo Werner. And again, you have players like Emil Forsberg who, you know, are probably not as involved anymore, but still able to contribute uh, to the team when called upon. And some very exciting young defenders, Mohamed Shimakan and you, you know Yoshko Guardiol. So it's, it's there's a lot of potential there. Dominic Soboslai, can't believe I forgot him, <laughs> but uh, Dominic Soboslai again another player who who has had experience under Marco Rosa, playing you know under him at Salzburg. So he, you know, I'm, I'm sure that his performances will also improve. And so all in all, I think it's a it's a it's a good appointment for for Leipzig. And yeah, like I said, you know, I think I think they should comfortably hope to finish in in the top four. And depends again which one of the over two overperforming clubs also finishes in the top four with them, because I do expect, you know, this is probably a, a sort of hot take, but I do expect Freiburg to finish in in the top four ahead of Union. But I think because you know just because I think they have a little bit more extra in terms of their squad profiles and and in their ability to to determine games for themselves uh, and win, you know, win and get points on the board. And so yeah, I think I think Leipzig. Ander Rosa will, will, will finish in, in the top four. And that brings us to the end of this wonderful episode, dissecting the Bundesliga, focusing on certain interesting and amazing group of teams, players and topics, I would say. It was fun chatting to you, Nina, especially on Union, where you gave us a detailed profile on the team that Urs Fischer is building there and I'm I'm pretty sure that Union are fast becoming one of the most impressive and attractive teams to follow. I, I would say. Yeah. Uh, thanks. Thank you so much, Ritvik. I think you know, I'm 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 always happy to talk about about Union and about the general landscape of of the Bundesliga. And yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to see how the how the season finishes and it'll be a very interesting race for the top four. I think so. Something definitely to keep an eye on for our listeners. And again, you know, thanks to Dieter for the questions, uh, which again provided us uh, an opportunity to have some interesting uh, discussion about teams like you know Leipzig and, and Bremen. So that was really good. That's great. Shout out to Dieter once again, as as always. And finally, thank you everyone for listening to the episode. Myself, Ritvik, the host, and we'll be back next week again with another diverse set of topics. And I'll have our co-host Danny with me next week of course and until then bye bye take care